Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you taking the time to hang as we talk about sharpening your edge, getting healthier, improving your well-being, performing to your potential. Really, really psyched to have you here, whether it's live or if you are watching a recording or if you are listening to the podcast. It's super awesome. And today we are joined by Dr. Jillian Mandich. Jillian, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, always good to be with you, Dr. Greg. Love all those degrees on the wall behind you, but let's talk about how you got interested in research, science, and the field of happiness. Yeah, you know, I used to study childhood obesity. I've always been passionate about health because we get one shot at life and I've always wanted to know how do we take the best shot possible? Uh, and so a lot of my work when I first started, when I was doing my master's degree was really focused on children and, and childhood obesity. And then I started to think about the fact that the number on a scale, which is what I would use for inclusion in my research, doesn't necessarily indicate health. And so I went looking to literature and I thought, what else can I study that focuses on health promotion, but has nothing to do with our weight? And to be honest, up until then, I didn't even know you could study happiness. And as soon as I started down the rabbit hole, the research reading that, you know, when you compare happy people to unhappy people, happy people have lower rates of cardiovascular disease. They have stronger immune systems. They heal faster from injury. They sleep better. They make better nutritional choices. I thought, okay, here's something where one, it's universal. We all want to be happy. And two, to know that we can do something about it, but have so many positive um, implications for that in, in our life. So that's how I started studying happiness. That's super interesting. Can we just get some clarity? There's so much chatter about happiness, mm -hmm. joy. Yeah, I'd love to get some understanding about like what is what is happiness because it's mm -hmm. not intuitive. And I, I learned this from you the last time that we that we spoke. If we having a better understanding of it, I think would really help us. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's really this fascinating thing where. We all know what happiness is, right? We all can have a conversation. If I went out right now and surveyed 100 people, though, and asked them all to define it, I'd probably get similar, but 100 different answers. Um, and so as a researcher, as you know, that is a very difficult thing because when we do a study, what do we have to do at the beginning, right? We have to define our terms. So when I study happiness, uh, the definition that I use, which is commonly cited in the literature, and to be clear, there are very, there's a multitude of them and people fight over them all the time. Um, so the one that I use, I like it because it's kind of an umbrella term with some range in it, which is, it actually comes from Dr. Sonia Lubomirsky, who's in California. And it's the experience of joy, contentment, and positive well-being combined with a sense that one's life is good, meaningful, and worthwhile. And the reason I like this definition is because, you know, it has that how you feel in the moment, right? We all know what it's like when someone says something nice to us or we eat a really delicious lunch and we feel happy. But then we also know what it's like, you know, when you watch um, some of your kids do something and you feel that that sense of purpose or meaning or satisfaction from like raising a human. So it kind of gives both pieces um, to the, the definition of happiness. So that's the one that I use. But at the end of the day, I think that what we know from research is that no matter how we define it, we know that as humans, we're pretty good at self-reporting our own happiness. So, and that's kind of what matters, right? Is how we define it for ourselves because we're the one experiencing that feeling. And so how we define it and how we sort of express and feel that emotion is, is the key piece, I think. That's really interesting. A from the research that you've done, what are some common successful or effective ways for all of us to, what can we do to make sure that we are as happy as we can be given the challenges that we're going through in your life? And I'm not saying we need to be pos positive and happy all the time. Life mm -hmm. is interesting because we have ups yes. and downs, but 
how can we get ourselves on that upwards trajectory if maybe we're, if we're feeling a little bit down one day? I think that the first thing, and I love that you just said that, is that, you know, when I first started researching happiness from a personal perspective, I thought, okay, Jillian, are you as happy as you possibly could be? And the answer was no. So I thought, I'm a researcher. Why don't I apply my skills and figure out how I can be happy all the time, right? I wanted to not feel sadness, not feel anxiety, not feel depression, get rid of those, you know, challenging feelings and just be happy all the time. And so one of the things I think when we think about how do we live a happy life is understanding that the goal in life is not to be happy all the time even though we sometimes are chasing that. And so when we can understand that it's not, we're not going to be happy all the time, what happens is it gives ourselves the grace to feel and to be human, right? Because we have, like you said, up days and down days. And so once we understand that, we can take the pressure off of ourselves if we're not having one of those happy days. And I think that that's a really key piece. Um, at the same time, no matter how happy or unhappy we're feeling right now, what we know from research is that when we do things that make us happy and sort of things throughout the day, it's almost like a muscle. When we do more things that make us happier, the muscle grows. So we actually get stronger. And so as we do those things, when difficult things happen in life, which they will, and they always do, we're sort of in a stronger place to be able to cope with those things more with more resilience. Um, so if we think about, okay, well, day to day, what are some of those things that I can do? You know, things like gratitude, right? This is such a powerful practice. It's talked about a lot. Um, there's so much research supporting that, but really focusing on the things that we're grateful for. Um, and I love this one because it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take a lot of time and it can be done anywhere. So when we think about like, where are those low hanging fruit? Um, changing how we think about happiness and then focusing on the things that we already have in our life that are, that are good uh, is such a great starting off point to then think about building that happiness muscle. I really love that. Just it's a practice, right? It's like anything yeah. else in our lives. It's just something that we can work on and get better at and and build up. I love the gratitude practice. Absolutely life-changing. I've been doing it a lot with my kids in the evening just to help them focus on positivity before they go to sleep at night. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Uh, one of the things that we're hearing a lot about these days is, of course, the great resignation, people changing jobs, people changing careers. Many of the, the people listening to this podcast and or watching this this show uh, are leaders, whether it's leaders in fitness or leaders in business or you know trying to make a positive impact in the world, you know, influencing communities uh, or businesses. So culture matters, and I think that that we want to try to create places where people can thrive, people can reach their potential, whether that's work, home the fitness gym, like wherever we're looking to create places where people can reach their potential. And obviously happiness plays a role in that. What are you seeing around culture and businesses where people are, or leader, what are leaders doing to try to create a happier, healthier environment for people that, that you think is working right now? I love this question um, because I think when we think about happiness, right, we think about what are the things that we can do, right? Our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors. And a lot of my research focuses there. But if we take a step back and look at, okay, what are the major factors that influence our sort of overall happiness? We have three big players. So we have genetics. We have this piece that we, I talked about, our thoughts, our actions, and our behaviors, the piece that we can control. And then we have this third piece, which is environment. And our environment really does impact our happiness and our mental health in a very significant way. Um, I think we can all appreciate Appreciate that with the pandemic when our restrictions have limited um, or reduced the, our environment. Um, and so I think as leaders, one, it's acknowledging that the environment is an important piece. I think a lot of times we sort of forget about it and don't even give it any attention. And then two, then it becomes, okay, so now that we know that this is a major player, what are my goals with my team, with my organization, and how can I create an environment to support that? 
right? Mm -hmm. So say, for example, something like collaboration or teamwork may be very important. And so then the question becomes, okay, how do I create an environment that fosters that, right? How am I creating a sense of belonging, a sense of trust, a sense of communication with people? And then it gets even more complicated because we live in this hybrid world now, right? So is it a digital world? Is it a hybrid world? Are we getting together in person? Are we meeting? And starting to think about those things, being very clear with whatever our goal is for our team and understanding that the environment is a major factor in, in that equation. I love it. So we have genetics, obviously huge, but not in our control. We have our sort of thoughts, actions, and emotions to some degree under our control. And we have our environment, which we can optimize and or hopefully work for someone who has, is yeah. trying to optimize our environment. Or if we control that work environment, do that as well. Am I, am I reading that right? You got it, doctor. <laughs> That's Amazing. correct. Yeah, those are the big three. What are you doing right now around happiness? I know that you travel to Eastern Europe. You've got a puppy. The puppy did some zoomies during right one next. of your presentations <laughs> recently. Like, what are you doing to get happier these days? You know, it's one of those things where... Um, I study happiness. I read a lot of research. I do a lot of research on the topic, but I also try things in my personal life. And one of the things like out of, and there's so many ways we can boost happiness. I talked about gratitude, but we could be here all day on LinkedIn talking about this and probably for days. So there's a lot of things to pay attention to. And we know that our attention is a limited resource. There's been this one topic that I have been really um, interested in recently, but I had never paid attention to it. And what happened was I went to the ROM. So here in Toronto, I'm in Toronto right now, we have the Royal Ontario Museum. And they opened a new exhibit called the Dawn of Life. So it's basically from the beginning of life up until the dinosaurs. And when this exhibit was opening in December, they had sort of a ribbon cutting and they had invited everybody that had contributed. And it took them 10 years to make this exhibit. And so I went and I was walking through the exhibit and there was this rock there and you were allowed to touch the rock. And this is back when like every, you weren't allowed to touch anything. So I was allowed <laughs> to touch this rock. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to touch the rock. And I touched it. And I took a picture for Instagram because I thought it was pretty cool. And then I started to walk away and then I kind of read the top and it said, this rock is 4 billion years old. And I thought about that for a second. I went back and I touched this rock and I was like, I don't know how to compute that. And it said, this is one of the oldest living or oldest things, not living, oldest things on the planet. And I, my brain, it just blew my mind. And then I realized that that's what awe is, like A-W-E, awe. And awe has really, it changes the way that you see the world. We look, we know from the research in terms of like, it, it increases humility, it decreases anger and frustration, it gives you perspective, even cytokine levels, the signs of inflammation, it can lower them. So from a physiological perspective and from a mental health perspective, there's a lot of good data on awe, but I had never appreciated it. And all could be created by going out and looking at the stars, going for a walk in nature, listening to music. And for me personally, that is one thing that I sort of overlooked for a very long time and recently has really, from a personal perspective, um, changed how I see the world. And it's just really impacted my happiness. Yeah, I've been practicing deliberate moments of awe as much mm. as, as possible over the last while. I love getting out of my paddleboard. I just got out the other day and I was out on the lake. The lake was flat. There was just little, you know, ripples in, in, in the water. And it was just absolutely incredible, but it set me up for the rest of rest of the day. Like I was just so absolutely fired up by the entire experience. It was absolutely incredible. So okay. as I sit here sweating from the run that I just went on right before this, this session, right? Like I just love to get outside. And for me, it's, it's fitness, it's exercise, it's being outdoors. So mm -hmm. I love the fact that you're practicing that as well. And that's certainly something 
that I think that we can all get into if we just simply pause for a moment and appreciate what's around us. And uh, it's easy to focus on the negativity in life, but it's also entirely possible to focus a little bit more on the positive things. And I know some, so there are some massive challenges around that for a lot of people. Um, I just hopefully maybe we've inf we've inspired a couple people with this session. So thank you very, very much for all of your insights, Dr. Jillian. I really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us. Always a pleasure to chat with you, Dr. Greg. If people want to reach out and learn more, where can they connect with you online? Uh, my website is a great place, which is my name, Jillian Manich, and I'm Jillian with a G. Uh, and all of the links to all of the things are from there. So that's a good place. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.